This podcast was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire. For more information on who we are and what we do, visit lifelanks.org. Are we loving this vision theme? Who's loving this Jesus First vision theme? It's pretty big on the wall, I think. So if you're on the live stream, you'll have to come to see what's on the wall. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just, just loving it. And um, these past few weeks, uh, we were away uh, last weekend and last week. Um, but uh, yeah, listening back, um, what, what Pete was sharing and, and vision offering time, it was a privilege to give from a distance as well. Uh, thank you, well, actually, Pete brought our envelope forward for us, uh, which was great. And it's always a privilege to give together. And just thank you again for all those that did give. Um, it's a huge blessing to do that um, together. And uh, if you haven't got one of these vision cards yet, then uh, do get one from reception uh, at the end. I would really encourage you to grab that, put it in the back of your phone. Oh, you must have one of those like iPhone XX mass- massive ones, if that'll fit in the back of your phone. Um, or in your Bible or book or, w- or wherever, uh, you might want to put that. And I remember um, last year, as, uh, as Pete and Bryony had shared the past couple weeks, as they came back from a, from a time away, um, and, and they began to share, we began to sit down as a senior leadership team, and, and, and they were sharing a bit about what they were sensing for this year, and the visions theme. I was so excited when they shared about Jesus first, because um, just over that last few weeks, absolute massive coincidence this coming up. Not. Um, that me and Marina had been reading uh, in Colossians 1, and we're going to read from that in just a moment, and, and, and thinking about actually where we place Jesus in our lives. Kind of links, right? Just a little bit. And uh, I was so excited by that and excited to, um, to share from Colossians 1. So we're going to turn there in a minute. If you want to turn your Bibles on on your phone or you want to open them, paper, it's also going to be on the screen. But Jesus first to me, we've heard so many uh, different variations and beautiful facets on Jesus first to me. When I think about Jesus first, I always think about something that I think I might have shared a number of preachers here. And so I'm not going to ask for your forgiveness because I'm repeating it, uh, but just that uh, you might be um, encouraged by it. But when sometimes when we think about life, we, we think about the hierarchy and priority of life and where things sit. And, you know, is it, is it family first or, you know, this part of my family or church or work or friends? And, and we try and put them in an order and almost there's pressures of, of society and even sometimes uh, religious thought that pushes into thinking about things that way. And I remember when someone said to me years ago, something that has completely unlocked that way of thinking. It's not about a hierarchy of order of those things. It's about Jesus first in my family. It's about Jesus first in my work. It's about Jesus first in my friends. It's about Jesus first in church. It's about Jesus first in whatever your life is full of. And it's almost a completely different way of looking at it. And that completely unlocked my thinking about actually just the priority is Jesus first. And, and I'm a simple person, so that was really helpful because it made, seemed to make life less complex. And so let's head to Colossians 1, and we're going to read from verses 1 and 2 to get a little bit of context, and then jump to verses 15 to 20. It says this, this is Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our dear brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. So Paul's writing here again. Pete gave us a bit of context last week about Paul, the journey he was on, the journey to Rome. Again, he's where he's writing Philippians. People also believe this is where he's writing Colossians from, from this Roman prison cell. 
Uh, people say his first imprisonment under Roman rule or guard. So it's like he's got multiple. How exciting. Something to look forward to, your second imprisonment. Uh, it's not the second season of something on Netflix, is it? Let's put it that way. And so he's writing from this place to this group of people in, in modern-day Turkey. Uh, right now in the, in the west of Turkey, you can see Colossi on a map if you Google it. And in a place where they were being persecuted, they were facing all sorts of different challenges. And Paul was writing this encouragement. And in the following verses, can I encourage you to read verses 3 to 14 in, in your own time? He thanks them, he encourages them. And then he gets to this kind of like, it's almost a crescendo of what he's saying. And there's a crescendo within the crescendo. Um, and it starts in verse 15. It says this, The sun is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created. Sorry, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might be, as he might have supremacy, have the supremacy. Or in other versions, it says, be supreme. For God was so pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether things on earth or in things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. That, those verses are just packed. Like every like four words, whoa. The firstborn amongst all creation, what on earth does that mean? Well, we're going to hopefully go through some of these verses today and unpack a bit of what that can mean for us. But Paul is writing to encourage them, and I feel like the end of verse 18 is kind of his main point. And that's where we're going to center around today, that Christ, that Jesus might have the supremacy, that Jesus is supreme. Jesus is God of all. Jesus is the, the Lord of all things. And when we put Jesus first, it's almost like everything else gets the right perspective and gains the right perspective. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So there it says in verse 18, let me read the end of it again. So that in everything he might have the supremacy, or another version, that he might be supreme. I feel like this is the crescendo of the crescendo, the moment he's really getting to in this. And, and almost he's saying, no matter what happens, Jesus is supreme. You know, last week while we were away, I was chatting with a friend of mine who, for the sake of this story, um, because of the live stream and the podcast, he's called Jake. Because I can't tell you his, his, his name in, in this format. And he's, he's in Turkey. He's leading an amazing thing of what God is doing for youth groups across a certain region of Turkey. And obviously, Turkey is going through an incredibly hard time with the earthquake affecting 10, over 10 cities, um, all sorts of other challenges. And then he was sharing with me as he was asking people to pray for Turkey. And we took some time to pray for Turkey as a group of us that were there together. And then he said, and we have this election coming up. And if, if the current person wins or, uh, and this person gets apart, it's going to get worse for Christians. It's going to become harder for, for the church to keep going. Churches might be told to stop meeting. And, and he began to share this. And, and he just began to share it with such a calm face 
but almost with this authority and just this sense of like, you know, as we sing in that song, by the grace of God, he's our rock in us in the storm, that he just stood there and just knew it's, it's going to be okay because God's got us, because Jesus is supreme, because Jesus is Lord. And he said, don't pity us in your prayers, because God is, is in control. God is bigger than all this stuff. God is bigger than what's going on. And maybe these guys in Colossae at that time, in, mod, in what we now know as Turkey, as they faced different persecution, different challenges, they needed to know that Jesus was supreme. They need to know that Jesus was Lord no matter what. And Paul makes it clear that we can experience God, that we can understand more of who God is by putting him in his rightful place. Jesus first is a recognition that Jesus is supreme. Uh, the dictionary describes supreme as the highest authority or the greatest ever. I love that. The greatest ever. You know, we have that, don't we? And the, the World Cup just before Christmas. You didn't think we were going to go there, but, you know, I love football. And can't talk about football this week, can we? Um, uh, but let's talk about the World Cup. A few of you got that. And, uh, and, and it was just this discussion around Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi and this idea of, like, you would have seen it, the GOATs, the greatest of all time, or the greatest ever. This, uh, who is the greatest? And, you know, people are constantly arguing, oh, is it Cristiano Ronaldo, is it Messi? And I just think, uh, obviously, Messi then went and won the World Cup, so I think it kind of deals with itself. Some people still try and argue that <laughs> the other person is better. Like, this guy has just won the World Cup. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But even that, it's limited to one sphere of life. We're talking about the supremacy of Christ, that he is the highest authority, that he is God of all, creator, the firstborn amongst the dead, as this scripture describes. And in the simplest terms, we're affirming that Jesus is Lord in our lives. And Pete brought an excellent preach last week on that, um, about actually how we can bow the knee to him. And we experience God the creator in his nature by putting him in his rightful place. I love how the psalmist puts it, that he is our shield and shelter. This isn't a Lord who wants to dominate. This isn't a God who's supreme who wants to press us down, but he is the one who wants to protect. I don't know if anyone's aware of the brand Supreme. Um, in 1994, it was founded. I'm sure all of you know this information because you know the Wikipedia page off by heart. But in 1994, the brand was founded in New York. It was, uh, it was mainly aimed at a hip-hop skating culture. Uh, when I was a teenager, Supreme was quite big in the noughties. And obviously, all of those things, in my impeccable balance on a skateboard and my love for hip-hop, meant that this was my brand. See, actually, Brian, he loves hip-hop way more than me. Just, just to throw that out there. Uh, you say it's true. Yeah. That's how she gets up in the morning. Um, and, and this brand, it was really interesting when you read some of the story because it wasn't just some guy creating a clothing brand and naming it after himself. He wasn't called Supreme. But he decided to buy this bigger space or rent this bigger space. So it wasn't just a clothes shop. It actually had a, space, a place for people to skateboard. And then it was planted into another place in New York and, and they created like a skate bowl, which is like a, not for food, but like where you go in and go out on the boards and people who know more about skateboarding can tell you something of that was correct and what the beautiful thing of the vision behind it was where New York was at the time was an incredibly unsafe place where a lot of people chose to skate 
there was still a number of murders in the shadows and gangs and, and all these other things. And generally where skateboarders were going at the time was incredibly dangerous because there was gangs operating in those spaces. So this person said, hey, come and be part of the brand. Come and be part of what this almost like a safe space. Don't just buy clothes, but come and be safe. And I love that, that that's a great vision for a clothing brand. But obviously Jesus is so much more than that, isn't he? That he's our shield, our protector. He is, the, he is supreme whatever. He is supreme in every aspect of our life. And he invites us to choose to make him supreme. He invites us to do that. He's not going to um, put that on us or make us do that. And we can only experience the benefits of Christ's supremacy if we choose to make him supreme in our, in our lives. If we choose to say Jesus first in any aspect of our life. And we get to choose that. We get to do that. So who is this God? What does that look like for us um, to make him supreme, this supreme Jesus? Well, I've got four thoughts as we unpack this scripture. The first one is this, is that he is Lord and Savior. Pete um, mentioned something at Heart and Soul referencing um, our series of uh, Wisdom for Life that we did back in September and October. And um, I shared this, this thought there that actually Jesus isn't just, Lord, isn't just Savior, as actually a lot of people in my generation treat him, and uh, maybe those who are coming through a younger do as well. It's just, oh, he's come to save us, rescue us. Yeah, and we can just go and crack on and do what we want. No, he is Lord and Savior. He is the one that we get to, as Pete said last week, bow the knee. Saviour, yes, but Lord, to choose to surrender. If we want to see our life transformed by God, then we have to make him Lord. We have to choose to make him supreme because he is saviour and Lord. But he is a good Lord. I don't know what you think of when you think of Lord, but maybe you think of this guy who sometimes frequents Tesco's collecting money. Uh, I, I remember there was, there was one week I went in Tesco in, in Burnley and, and there was Darth Vader and his cronies, the, 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 the other people. Again, all the Star Wars fans are going to hate me for this. I quite like Star Wars. I've watched films a few times, trying to get my wife to watch them. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle. Um, and I see there, there's Darth Vader and, and the Stormtroopers and other characters from other films. And I'm sure those who are massive Star Wars fans have picked it apart. They can't stand next to each other because they're from a different film, a different universe or... Well, they're having a go. And they're actually collecting money for the community grocery. And I, and I found it very, uh, uh, quite a juxtaposition that Darth Vader was collecting money to help people. But let's not get into that as you come up the escalator at Tesco about why Darth Vader is doing that. But I guess what we see in the story of Star Wars is a broken young man who's been hurt, who's full of pain. And, and instead of someone helping him unpack that and deal with that, a good Lord, actually the, the one that we see in the background there, the emperor, then turns that into, into just it help, helps him basically embrace darkness and evil and, and he becomes Lord Vader. He becomes this Lord who suppresses and, and, and brings evil and darkness and all those things. But then we see the other narrative in Star Wars, right? We see these two happy guys. Well, they're not smiling as much there. But Luke Skywalker and Ben Kenobi and, and the one who coaches the other one says, no, actually, you've been hurt, you've found pain, but actually, you can do something good. You know, we don't serve a Lord who's going to um, actually make us um, have pity parties or dwell in our, our darkness, but actually, he's the one who leads into a space of light. 
And obviously there's loads of films with that kind of narrative. He's not the one to rule and oppress, but he's the one that gives us perspective for the stuff that is going on in life. The one who is over it all. And he's also not the one who's making it happen. Because so often we see in films like that, it's like someone is creating darkness, creating evil. That is not our God. Our God is not the one who creates the problems. He created the world, and the world is broken, as we heard in the All Starts Here series. But he is up to restoring and reconciling all things. He is the supreme God who we can trust, no matter what, who wants the best for us. He is a good Lord. On Thursday evening, I don't know what you were doing, but I imagine all your curtains were shut, and doors were locked, and it was very windy, very snowy, um, and we were trying to be in a plane that was trying to be landed three times at Manchester Airport. And it was not a pleasant experience, if I'm honest. Um, I thought something was going wrong when we went up and down a few times. And then the captain comes and says, oh, by the way, we just tried to land, but we're just going to circle for a bit more. Because it's a bit windy. Nobody's landed for a few hours, but we'll give it a go in a minute. Uh, I thought, flipping it. Yeah. Okay, give it a go. Hmm. Uh, but the thing is, in that moment, we trust God, and, 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 and uh, you're kind of more nervous in that moment, because like, we had grace with us, and we were like, more nervous, like, oh, we've got his baby that we're responsible for, all this, and, and she's just sat there happy, just like staring, just like nothing's going on. Eventually, we hit the ground, wheels first, and, which is always good, um, and, and, and the thing is, in that, in that moment, I'm trusting the pilot because he's the one with the expertise. And also, we're tr- trusting God. And everyone, round of applause. And people were like, very happy when we, when we landed and we stopped and all of that. But I'm not going to trust that same pilot to treat me at the hospital. Or maybe, don't want to be harsh on him. I didn't meet him. I clapped him. Even cooked me a nice meal. Like, I trust him because he's a pilot of the airplane. And I think we, we trust people in, in individual ways, but God is the one we can trust in all aspects, that we can bring all our trust to, whatever it is. God is not limited by circumstance or setting or gifting. God is the one we can trust in all circumstances. He is supreme. And last week, as we thought about bowing the knee to him, actually, we can trust him, our Lord and Savior. We can choose to put him first. And, and he is the one that, that makes sense of this thing called life. It says in verse 17, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I think sometimes we read that verse and we think, oh, he, he holds everything together like he's controlling, like he's a puppet master. But when we actually read the verse, it says, in him all things hold together. It's a perspective statement. It's not that God just makes our our life nice and plain and easy. No, actually, when we put him as supreme, when we understand um, and put him as Jesus first in every aspect of our life, it makes sense of life. It doesn't mean life is easy, but it makes sense of life. And we can trust the one who makes sense of life. The second thing that we see is in verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. And we'll come to that bit in a moment. But he is the image of the invisible God. And sometimes when we have an image of Jesus, when you know Paul's referencing Jesus here, we sometimes think, oh, he's... Blonde hair, blue eyed, walks on water, has got a sheet by him. And, you know, we've all seen those kind of images. But if we think about 
one way of thinking image, Jesus probably wasn't white. He spoke Aramaic, so he didn't speak English. You know, and he lived in that, in that Jewish context in Israel in that region. But then when we think about Jesus, another image of Jesus, we can look at his way of living and working and serving people. And then when we think about another image of Jesus, we think about actually this guy knows what it is to live as a human. He understands human struggles. He lived the perfect life as a human, but he still experienced the same struggles as us. He is God and human. And for centuries, people have tried to paint God and, and give us ideas of what God looks like. And I think all those things are helpful in images, in paintings, in text, in all those things. But we can understand that's a facet of us understanding who God is, a part of us understanding. I remember when I walked into the Sistine Chapel as a teenager in, in the Vatican City and looking up and just seeing all these different images of, of God and how he's portrayed and understand different parts of God's character. And I was just blown away, blown away by like the different ways that God was portrayed. And, and even when looking at something like that, we can understand something of who God is. And also the most, the most famous piece, obviously, is, is, is what's portrayed as maybe Adam or as humankind sitting there lapsedly and, and God is reaching out and there's such a powerful image of God reaching out to us where we are. But if we want to know what God looks like, we've got to look to Jesus. But my Bible doesn't have pictures. Or maybe yours does, which is awesome. But when I think about what does God look like, compassion, justice, truth, hope, love, grace, sacrifice, generosity, mercy... This is the picture of God that we get in Jesus. This is the image of God. It gives us perspective on everything in life. But this idea that God is up to invisible things, unseen things. You know, the things that we can hear about or find online all the time of like what God is up to in different parts of the world. That may have been invisible to us, but are visible to God. And actually, there's people who are in actually incredibly tough circumstances. I heard a story this week of a youth group in Palestine, in the Gaza Strip, um, of young people who've said yes to Jesus, giving their lives to Jesus, living for Jesus. And they've decided, even though they're bombed nearly every day, even though there's all sorts of challenges going on, they've decided they're going to pray for different parts of the world every week at youth group. But, but they've got enough problems going on. But they must understand something about the supreme God. They must understand something that God is bigger, that God is over the situation. And actually, they can believe for what God is doing in another part of the world, even if it's not possible in their part of the world that they can't see. That kind of faith inspires me. The unforeseen places. God as human, fully God, fully human. This is the God who we can put first. Jesus understands our everyday life. And then we come to this creator and firstborn. He is creator and firstborn. Verse the end of verse 15 says, the firstborn over all creation. Before he created, he was there. He was the God who was there. We can trust him because he spoke things into existence. He is the one who created out of his imagination. And then in verse 18, it shows that actually he is the firstborn among the dead. He is the, he, well, how does that make sense? Because we see people in the Bible that have been resurrected before Jesus rose from the dead. But when we see stories like Lazarus and other stories, there's no comment on, on did they look any different? Because when we see Jesus' resurrection, Mary doesn't recognize him in the garden. 
because he has a new form. And then Revelation goes on to help us understand that actually we will be resurrected like Jesus in these new bodies, these new lives that God has got for us. We understand more of his supremacy in his death and his resurrection. And he's the creator of all things. You know, when I think about the persecution that the people in Colossae were facing, or persecution in the church across the world, we, we read these verses of even rulers, thrones, powers, and authorities. And I think, how is that possible? How is it possible that God has even created these things? Well, maybe it's that people are grabbing hold of power and authority and using it in a negative way. And actually, thrones and ruling spaces are being used in the wrong way. And God is supreme above all those things. He created those things, but sometimes they're misused for other things. I heard a story from a friend this this past week of, of, of what's going on in Libya with, with the church and even in a, a nation that is a non-state and even if a young person gives their life to Jesus and choose, and they're from a different background, their families will actually sell them to a militia as a slave. But yet the church is growing. Yet there's people coming forward and wanting portions of the Bible and parts even like one page or just give me one book. And the church is growing, and and there's leaders helping people to come into other nations to be trained and equipped. God is up to something, even in nations where there is so much challenge and so much trouble, that he is supreme. He is supreme creator. And my final thought is this, as the band joined me, is that we know that this is a good God, that this is a good supreme God, that he is the one who gives us peace in the storms of life. He is the one who wants to reconcile all things and bring things back together. I love what it says in verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The reconciliation of all things. Basically like the the making new of all the brokenness in the world. Bringing things back, even things that have been used for such evil or badness or whatever we want to call that. God wants to reconcile. God wants to bring those things back for good. All things. I love that that Paul writes all things because it just covers all things, right? Even us. That in, and, then, and then he goes on to say, even in, on earth and in heaven. Okay, I, I, we get it, Paul. That like, actually you're saying that actually because of what Jesus did on the cross, it's, it's, not, it's not an open, closed case. He died on the cross three days later, he rose from the dead. All things have been reconciled. It's an opening up of reconciliation. Of all things, of all people in heaven and earth who choose this, the great relationship between man and God, between humankind and God, has begun to be reconciled and we get to step into that more and live that out and experience that and people get to experience that. And I want to finish by reading as this story that has inspired me uh, for, for many years from the Truth and Reconciliation Trials in South Africa and what was going on with apartheid there and a number of things. But I feel this paints such a beautiful picture of the grace of God and of the reconciliation that Jesus is up to. And when I, when I think about this story, it makes me believe that anything is possible for God to reconcile. So it says this, After apartheid ended, In South Africa, a white police officer named Mr. Van 
de Boyk was put on trial. The court found that he had come to a woman's home, shot her son at point-blank range, and burned her young man's body on a fire while his officers partied nearby. The woman's husband was also killed by the same men, and his body was also burned. A member of the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission turned to this lady and asked, So what do you want? How should justice be done for this man? And she said boldly and confidently, I want three things. I want first to be taken to the place where my husband's body was burned so that then I can gather up the dust and give his remains a decent burial. My husband and my son were my only family. Secondly, I want for you, Mr. Van Burke, to become my son. I would like for you, I would like for him to come twice a month to the ghetto and spend a day with me so that I can pour out on him whatever love I still have left, making you my son's favorite meals. And finally, thirdly, I would like you, sir, Mr. Van Burke, to know that I offer him you, sorry, this man, my forgiveness because Jesus Christ died for me. This was also the wish of my husband. And so I would kindly ask someone to come on my side and lead me across the courtroom so that I may take Mr. Van Burke's in my arms and embrace him and let him know that he's truly forgiven. This lady chose to put Jesus first in the toughest circumstances in the most brutal circumstances, that reconciliation is only possible because of Jesus. She had peace because of Jesus' death and resurrection, the fact that his blood was shed. She carried that peace. And we can have that peace. No matter what's been done to us, no matter what life has thrown at us, we can have that same peace as that lady because Jesus is reconciling all things. This is the Jesus. This is the supreme God. This is the Jesus we put first. The one who is reconciling all things, who submitted his life even to death. If you found this podcast inspiring and helpful, then we'd love for you to get in touch via at LifeLanks on social media 